0: All right, Lord Jesus, um, thank you for your goodness and your loving kindness to us. Thank you for all the mothers in this room, Lord. Um, thank you that you are ultimately the perfect parent, Lord, watches watched over us. pray that you'd use this time uh, for our for, for your glory, for our edification. I pray that uh, you would bless me through your Holy Spirit, that um, I would only say things that, that are from you and driven by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. amen. Okay, so if you're here for the Germany trip, the, the Genelette class with Gil Cracky, I will not be offended if, if you're like, oh, sorry, I'm in the wrong place, and you get up and leave. That class is in the chapter room. <laughs> um, but uh, this class is called Sacrament and Grief, uh, Coping with the Physical Absence of God. So um, this is going to be a very kind of personal narrative kind of class. talk a lot about... Uh, a fair amount about my life and experience, but um, but it'll be applicable. And uh, I'm just going to start out with I have uh, had two out of town friends who are in town this past week. One sent his daughter to college uh, last year. She is a freshman at Sanford. The other is getting ready to send his oldest daughter to Baylor. And this is going to be his first child to go to college. And so they were talking about mourning and grieving sending their first child to college. In particular, their baby girl, right? And um, anyone who has a daughter can totally identify with that. And so they were using the word grief and mourning a lot in the conversation. And, you know, it seemed a little bit out of context. Because normally when you hear people talk about grief and mourning, they're talking about death. They're talking about the loss of a loved one. But they were grieving... Um, their daughter's going off to college, and so I started to think about how, um, how really at the core, what grief and mourning are all about is physical absence. Um, physical absence. There is, particularly if we're talking about it in the context of death, uh, you know, there was someone who you you know you may have lived your whole life with, and or you were married to for a number of years, and they die, and they're gone and so much of the pain and the sorrow and the difficulty uh, is tied up in their physical absence Uh, so much of the despair relates to thinking of the next time you'll see them which could be 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years from now and so you there's a tremendous amount of despair when you think about um that physical absence and so um and so (coughs) When, what the kind of the, the spiritual focus of this class is going to be coping with the physical absence of God. And what you uh, see is that anyone, particularly anyone who's a Christian, um, grieves and mourns God. Um, because you know God is not physically with us. He's not physically with us in the way that he was in the you know, incarnate, pers- incarnate person of Jesus Christ for the disciples. Um, and, and so there's a grief, and there's a coping, and there's, there's a sorrow. We see in Scripture there's a sorrow um, of dealing with the physical absence of God and longing for that uh, realization in heaven. And so um, what, part of what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at how it is that God recognizes that mourning and grief that everyone uh, encounters in dealing with the physical absence of God, uh, in particular, we're going to look at how Jesus prepares the uh, disciples for his death and then his ascension, um, because he, you know, he he even uses the language and we'll look at it about how, how they will grieve and they will mourn, um, and so he does certain things to prepare them uh, and to help them with their um, help them with with his absence. And those things that he gives to them, he also gives to us uh, in the sacraments. And so um, the starting point of where I'm going to jump off here, I, you know, a lot of, I think most people here know this part of my story. But uh, I have a three-year-old son. He passed away um, two and a half years ago. And um, and so hmm, now the now the fun emotional part for everyone. Uh, so this is my little boy, Cameron. And uh, the starting point of this class is going to be this letter here. And um, about seven weeks before um, he died, he and I went to my friend's father's farm down in Chelsea. And we had a perfect day. We did. Um, He loved tractors, and he loved farms. He loved to wear his John Deere hat. He loved to, to ride on his uh, grandfather's John Deere riding lawnmower, and so we had this this perfect day, where my uh, my friend's dad Henry Averett, who's been you know just a a, one, a huge figure in my life uh, since I was you know like in the first grade, he has this farm down in Chelsea and he has this incredible giant John Deere tractor, and so. On the day of his birthday, he had his birthday party on a Saturday, and I took his um, his day off. I took a, a Monday off on his actual birthday and took him out to the farm. And Mr. Averett rode him around in the tractor. Uh, and this this was a big this is a big big day for him. And so um, so anyhow, so he died two months later, and uh, Mr. Averett wrote me this letter uh, on the day of the funeral, or the day after the funeral, and he said. Uh, I'm sorry that we missed you and Lauren yesterday. You two had a multitude of friends supporting you. Uh, The enclosed is to tide you over. Until your schedule will allow another visit to Chelsea. And so, boy, I really didn't think I was going to get this emotional. (laughs) Uh, Here we are, though. Um. And so, he gave me this, this little tractor, right? And so, uh, this, this letter is kind of forms the structure of what we're going to talk about. Because there's this memory, right? There's, there's this memory of a great day, right? Something from the past. And there's this expectation of another day in the future, uh, when we'll make another trip. And I don't know exactly what Mr. Averitt had in his mind. I don't know if that was, you know, that we might have another child, and I might take that child out to Chelsea, Or if it was, you know, I think there's probably, he's very smart, um, (laughs) and I think there's probably a little bit of both in there, you know, of uh, looking towards a day when I'll be with my son again in heaven, and, you know, there'll be tractor tractor rides galore. Um, And so, but he gave me something physical to tide me over, right? To kind of help me cope until that day, to hold me in between, to give me something to look back uh, at a great day in the past, and to give me something... Um, to enable me to look forward to another day and to have hope for another day. And so that's kind of the, uh, the arc of what we're going to talk about here. Um, we're going to look at kind of three components when we talk about uh, sacrament and grief. Um, we're going to talk about the inverted arc of time. I'll explain what that is. Uh, we're going to talk about physical reminders and helpers, that God, in particular, that God gives us. And then um, finally, we're going to talk about hope and faith, Okay. And so, the um, first scripture is uh, Romans 8, uh, 18 through 25. And so, the Apostle Paul here, he is, uh, contextually, he is talking about uh, the difficulty and the, the pain and the frustration of, uh, if, you're, you know, if you're a Christian who has kind of the hope of a perfect life in heaven, um, about the frustration of living in such a difficult world. You have this hope ahead of you of a time when everything will be perfect, um, but here you are in this world, and there's sadness, uh, there's death, there's cancer, uh, there is hostility, there is violence, there's war, there are horrible political figures, um, corrupt, corruption, just all of these things that just are completely antithetical to heaven, right? Completely antithetical to the hope of glory. And so Paul says um, he is kind of they call it the now and the not yet. He's kind of talking about this tension and this suffering of, of the two. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. That's, a, that's a, what would you call an eschatological term. Eschatology means anything related to heaven, the return of Christ, the end times. Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So, when it says the adoption of our sonship, the redemption of our bodies, that's talking about the resurrection of the dead, which is when heaven and earth merge. The new heavens, the heavens and the earth become one. And um, that's kind of the ultimate hope. And we, we do have an incredible hope of heaven if we were to die today and go to heaven. But then there's even something greater than that, which is when Christ returns, we return with him, heaven and earth come together. And so, um, for in this hope we were saved, and the hope that is seen is no hope at all, but who hopes for what they already have. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So, key verse here is, not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And so, uh, there's this idea of kind of like longing for that day longing for a day in the future when everything will be perfect. Um, for Paul, you know, and, and, and for us, it would be longing for the day we see Christ face to face. For me and for anyone who's lost a loved one who died in Christ, there's a longing to see them again. There's a longing for that day of reunion when I'll physically be with my child again. And so he creates this uh, inverted arc of time. Um, we have this, you know, the, the past memory, past moment. So let, we can talk about this um, you know, talk about this just from a personal level first. So, for me, I've got these past memories, you know, and so I've got on my phone just, you know, a million pictures and videos of, of Cameron, and I watch them all the time and I look at them all the time, and they're great. They're they're a, I'm so so grateful for iPhones. Never thought I'd say that, but um, <laughs> but I'm really grateful. And so those kind of keep me connected to this past point in time. That was a great source of joy. That's a great source of joy to me now. In the future, we look to this reunion in heaven. So I'm looking forward to seeing him again. But here we are in the present suffering, the inward groaning, the longing, uh, you know, caught in between, um, looking back and looking forward at the same time. And so, um, theologically, uh, for a believer, um, you know, the past memory can be a number of things. Uh, I mean, primarily, it would be looking back to the cross. It would be looking back to the life, the death, and the resurrection of, of Christ. Um, because, that is that is the moment that makes this future moment possible, that Christ lived perfectly for us because we can't, that Christ died for us and, you know, absorbed judgment that we couldn't take, um, and that he rose for us. That makes this future, this future possible. So, kind of that past moment in time would primarily be Christ, Christ's life, death and resurrection. Um, but there are also other moments, you know, in the Bible that we look back towards, whether that's the... Coming, of the Holy Spirit, or the deliverance of the Israelites from, from Egypt, or just anything in the Bible that encourages you. Um, those would be moments we look back to. But there's also a sub- subjective element to that as well. Um, if you had a time when you felt really close to God, or you had a, a moment where God really came through for you, and you look back, and maybe it's you know when you first became a Christian, or maybe um, maybe it's um, yeah, it, maybe it's just a time like I said where you felt close to the Lord. Um, you know, you're kind of looking back to those times because those things convinced you that God was real. Those were moments that convinced you that um, the promises of Scripture, that God really loves you, that there really is, a, there really is meaning and purpose in your life, uh, those moments you know, kind of validate for you, this is real. This is actually real. It takes a lot of faith. Hi there, little person. Um, we needed a little bit of that. That little child was sent from above. A little levity. Um, <laughs> um, but um, but anyhow, and so so you know we have those moments, and then reunion. and You know, looking forward. Uh, there's you know looking forward to seeing Christ face to face. Looking forward to all this spiritual stuff being real. You know, like being physical. Um, and uh, and also too, there's this like I said, a personal element to that where. You may be looking forward to, uh, you know, to seeing loved ones who are already in heaven. You may be looking, for, if you have like a chronic health condition, you may be looking forward to that being healed. You know, if um, if you have struggled with depression for a long time, you, you may look forward to a day when every, you're not going to be depressed ever again. You're going to be joyful and happy forever. And so, um, and so, but here we are, caught. We're living in this moment right here. And so, both the past and both the future, help us to cope. They help us with our mourning and our grieving, right? Okay, so, but it's not just, um, it's, you know, those memories, um, they're helpful. That, you know, kind of mental conceptualization of those things is helpful. But God knows that we need more. He knows that we need more. He knows that we need physical reminders. And so, you know, sacrament, um, that's, a, that's a word you heard of, if you've grown up in an Episcopal setting, it's something you probably heard a lot. If you grew up Catholic, it's something you heard a ton. Um, if you grew up Baptist, it's a word you've never heard before. Um, I, I, sorry, I grew up Southern Baptist, so um, so I, I you know we, we, there was there's no you know a complete absence of any kind of sacrament in my in my church, my particular church. We took communion four times a year. It was on a Sunday night. We didn't uh, we didn't go to Sunday night church. And so I didn't. I probably would go four or five years without ever taking communion. Um, and yeah. So anyhow, there were a lot of baptisms, um, and the baptisms were, you know, you, you know, you grew up Baptist too. Um, th- now those were lots of lots of uh, ver- very uh, sensory, shall we say, because people were getting the full donk going for a swim. Um, but on the communion end, not a whole lot. Um, but anyhow, a sacrament is a religious ceremony or act of the Christian Church that is. Regarded as an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual divine grace in particular. So basically, it's something physical that helps us better understand uh, and process and internalize something that's very spiritual and abstract, right? And so, you know, for me, kind of going, if you're a person um, who has lost a loved one, um, you, you know, you, they're just. Everyone has physical things, you know, that help them help them cope. Um, that, you know, all of a sudden, your loved ones, you know, something that they gave you, um, a letter that they wrote, a picture that you have, a painting, a trinket, something—they all of a sudden become very, very important to you. So, for me, um, couple here, this is my little fella's blanket that he would sleep with every night, and so. Um, this this one this this blanket's always in my bed when I go to sleep. Um, it's just helpful, you know. It reminds me of like uh, how I used to put him down at night and how I used to you know put his blanket my blanket over his blanket over him, keep him warm. And he had a little bit of an attachment to this. And so I don't get to put him to sleep anymore. That's not something I'll get to do until heaven. And so um, this is a helpful thing for me. It's helpful to have this blanket because I cannot touch and see and feel him. Um, and so this is something that I can hold and I can, you know, like nuzzle up against and I can smell and so on and so forth. And I can see, right? And I and I, and I need that. I need that. Um I'll talk about his... oh, I've got a couple more. This is our our uh very very ghetto $25 fire pit. Um, and I'm a very responsible parent. You can certainly can entrust uh, your children to go on you know, week-long trips with me. My two-year-old son and I would very often make fires uh, in the... Uh, in the, in the <laughs> we used to live in a townhouse. We used to make them in the driveway on the alley. And, uh, you know, nothing says you know uh, safety like, you know, like making a fire in the alley on the driveway with your two-year-old, right? I made one with my one-year-old and three-year-old last night. But anyhow... So when we we're moving. Uh, this thing is rusty and it's tired. Like it, it's seen better days. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna go. You know, I'm gonna throw this away. Gonna go get rid of it. So I'm driving it to, uh, to the dumpster. Um, and I get to the dumpster. I'm like, there's no way I can get rid of this thing. You know. Uh, and it kind of reminds me of like boyish things that we did. It's, it's you know, it's fun. And it's, it's in, our, it's, it's in our backyard now, and it's never going anywhere. Um, this is, uh, this is his hammer. A lot of you know this story, but. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not going to tell the whole story because it's just kind of, uh, I don't really, I'm not in the mood to cry again, but, um, but he lost his Lego hammer uh, the day before he died, and he was upset, and he asked if we could pray, ask God to help us find his Lego hammer, and, um, and so he asked if we could ask Jesus, and so we you know, prayed about finding it, we found it, and that led to a conversation where he started asking all kinds of questions about heaven and Jesus, and um, asked, you know, if he would see Adam and Eve in heaven, and asked, if we could go see Jesus now. Can we get in the car and go pay Jesus a visit? And the conversation ended in him basically making a profession of faith. He he said at the end of the conversation that Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died for my sins, and um, and then that night he died. And so this um, this hammer is. Probably my most prized possession in the world. I didn't bring it today because there's, I'm like I would lose it if I could. If I lost it, I don't know what would happen. And it's like this big. It's very <laughs> losable. It's very losable. And uh, but anyhow, it just reminds me of his salvation. You know, it reminds me of how the loss of a hammer led to a conversation where he professes faith in Christ. It reminds me that you know it's it's clearly God's plan that he lives. You know, three 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 years and uh, you know. 49 days. Um, And uh, because, you know, why would a little boy ask about going to see Jesus, ask to, you know, ask to be in heaven, talk, you know, ask questions about heaven and profess faith in Christ, and then just instantly die in his sleep that night if it weren't a part of God's plan? So this hammer, for me, reminds me of his salvation reminds me that I'm going to see him again it reminds me too that like this is totally within God's plan like this is not a mistake it's not like the Lord's abandoned me it's not like there was a you know a problem with this with his like divine system and so um, so that's an incredibly important thing to me and so um, here's the thing a, a lot of times uh, there's this idea that the physical things are bad or the material world is bad and that's heresy that's uh, a heresy from Sorry, is that Marcionism, Jason? Yeah, it's Marcionism, which is this kind of Greek idea that um, where this guy named Marcion extracted all the Old Testament from the Bible and anything about creation because Greeks believed that the material world was bad. And that the point of um, the point of of life, but particularly and they were kind of adopting some Christianity in this, was to escape the physical world. Uh, and so, in the Western world, a lot of times we have this idea that, you know, the created world is bad, or that our bodies are bad, or, you know, whatever, that's, that's, that's heresy, like the physical world's good, um, God made it, and, uh, and heaven is a physical place, um, our ultimate destiny is to live on this planet again, that's the ultimate destiny of time, is to live in the physical world, and, you know, people in heaven, they have bodies, and they eat, and they sing, and they hug, and they touch, and, Um, And so all to say physical stuff is good. And so we see uh, in the Old Testament just some examples of stories of when God specifically gives the people physical things so that they will remember his faithfulness. They'll remember his promises. They'll remember his covenants. The first first example, the 12 stones of Joshua. Um, So, you know, Joshua, the God made a promise that he would give the Israelites a promised land. And, you know, there's centuries of slavery, and, and then they wander through the wilderness. And then Joshua is actually the leader who um, leads the Israelites across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And that is you know the culmination of this covenant he makes with, with Abraham. It's one of the most significant moments in the entire Bible. And so when they cross over, God says to Joshua, you need to get 12 stones from the Jordan River. and And why? Well, he says... that that is to be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. So God is saying, you you need this physical reminder that I am a covenant God and I'm a covenant keeper. Uh, I made a promise to give you a land and that I would lead you into it, and I fulfilled my promise, I'm faithful. I'm a perfect integrity. And you know the, the entry into the promised land, Jesus is named after Joshua, not, not by mistake, because Jesus was the one that God promised who would lead us to the promised land, which is heaven. And so, so there's an example of, of something physical that God gives of the tassels numbers uh, numbers 15. Um, just uh, in a nutshell, uh, well, I'll just read it. Um, this is uh, something that the Lord says to the Israelites when they're in the wilderness. He says, speak to, the, to Moses, he says, speak to the Israelites and say to them, throughout the generations to come you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at. And so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey my commands and will be consecrated to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Okay. So here's the thing with the tassels. The tassels um, were actually a sign of royalty. Um, the color of the tassels that God designates is for them to be purple. And so basically, they, the, if, if you, actually, if you've ever seen uh, Orthodox Jews or Hasidic Jews, a lot of times they walk around with garments that have tassels on the end of them. That's an obedience to this. And basically, you know, yes, he's saying, I, I'm reminding you to obey my commands, but he's also reminding them of who they are. Because if you wore tassels, that was like wearing a crown on your head. Okay? It was a sign of royalty. Only a king or a prince would wear tassels back in, back in the ancient Near East. And so he's saying, "I first want to remind you that you're my people. You're the people of God. you're royalty. You are children of the king. And um, remember that, and when you remember that, I think that's going to help you to obey my commands." And so again, a physical reminder that they're to wear every day to remind them of, uh, of who they are according to God's love. And then, okay, so now um, so now, again, physical reminders. Now we're gonna we're gonna look at Jesus getting ready to die. He's gonna be resurrected, but he's gonna ascend after forty days. How Jesus prepares the disciples, and in essence, is preparing us. Um, and uh, and so, you know, in every uh, in every gospel account, does anyone know? Um, does any does anyone know like what Jesus institutes at the very end? It's kind of a tough question. You're kind of like, is this a true question? It's an obvious one. It's up on the board. <laughs> he institutes the Lord's Supper, right? He institutes communion. And so he says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And actually, sorry, I'm going quick to call a quick timeout. Sorry, my bad. I got a little ahead of myself. We're coming back to that. But before he institutes that in John, he says this to the disciples. He's kind of giving them a warning um, that he's going away, okay? He says, Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more. Physical absence. And then after a little while you will see me. Uh, at this point, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by this? In a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. And because I am going to the Father, they kept asking, What does this mean, a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. So Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while, you will see me. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will (laughs) grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come when her baby is born. She forgets the anguish because of her joy and that a child is born to the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Okay? So uh, Jesus, when he says, you will see me again, he's primarily talking about the resurrection. Um, he's talking about a short grief where they think, you know, the disciples think that Jesus' whole mission has been a complete failure when he dies on the cross. You know, they, they jump ship, they're done, they're completely despondent. Um, but Jesus is, is, is first talking about how you're going to see me resurrected, and you're going to understand all of this. This is all going to make sense, right? Um, but he is also talking about his ascension. He gives him the promise of the Holy Spirit. He institutes communion. Um, but there, you know, we know that um, Peter and Paul and all the disciples who spent all this time with Jesus, who loved Jesus so much, um, that, that even after they saw Jesus resurrected, even after they saw him ascend, even after they saw and received. Um, the coming of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, there was still a sadness for them. There was still a sadness of, um, of you know, not being with Him face-to-face. They, you can see all over the place, especially in Paul, how desperately they wanted to see Jesus face-to-face. And so there was a mourning. And so that's why we have um, the institution of the Lord's Supper. That's why we have the institution of, of communion. Um, it says here in verse 26, While they were eating, Jesus took bread When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Okay, And so he is giving them something physical. He's giving them something physical um, to remind them of his death um, for them, his, his death for sinners, and um, and to remind them of the fulfillment of the covenant. And so, um, and so, you know, we see here in in Paul, um, Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about um, talks to the church in Corinth about the importance of taking communion. The importance of taking it regularly. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on you. This is going to sound familiar because it's in our our communion liturgy. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Until he comes. So there is, again, that, that, that frame of time. Basically, until he comes. When you're in heaven, you're not going to take communion. You're not going to need it. You're not going to be grieving anymore. You're going to be with Jesus face to face. There's gonna, you, Jesus, all these spiritual things that you have to trust in by faith and trust in by God's word, you're not going to have to do that anymore because it's all going to be physical and real. You're actually going to be able to hug Jesus. Like it says in Scripture, he's actually going to wipe away all of your tears. Like you will feel his hand on your face wiping away all of your tears. Uh, it says in Scripture in heaven that you will eat. There will be a banquet. There will be banquets in heaven. I think it's probably a banquet every night in heaven. Um, and, and you will actually eat food, drink wine, no concerns about being underage, and uh, love your kids. No. Anyhow, um, and uh, no concerns about you know inebriation or anything like that. Um, it will be a real physical experience, and so um, and so Paul is encouraging the Corinthians: take it regularly. You need it. You're grieving. You know, like it is hard for us to do all this stuff by faith. We are physical beings. You know, we are made to be with Jesus face to face physically and so he is saying until the Lord comes or until you're with him in heaven take it regularly because you need it you need to be remembered you need to be reminded of his death for you you need to be reminded of the blood that he shed for you and the forgiveness of your sins and so last thing here um well there I I was I already did that um and okay sorry here's where we are All right. so I'm just gonna I'm gonna land the plane here um And kind of the the basic kind of points here are, um, you know, I I just think for myself um, how instrumental, you know, physical things are for me in in coping with my son's death. And in kind of dealing with that longing to be with him again and to not be separated from him. This is one of my, like, key things, okay? This is my, I keep this by my, right by my car. So, uh, I don't know how long it, how long it was before he died. Not too long, maybe a month. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe two or three months before. He loved music. Loved to sing. wasn't particularly gifted vocally, but um, <laughs> he did love to sing. And he uh, he was kind of legendary in the nursery for being the loudest singer and the most off-key singer in the history of the nursery. Um, but anyhow, so we went to, we went out to dinner or to to brunch, and there was a band. And so he was loving it, like he was standing up front, you know, doing his thing, dancing to the band. And so the drummer gave him his drumstick, all right. And so he was he was grateful for that, all right. So I also remember uh, the morning after um, the morning after he died. If you've gone through a, like a tragic sudden death, the morning waking up the next morning is horrific. It's awful because you're kind of that whole first day. You're kind of like maybe I'm having a psychotic episode. Maybe this isn't real, right? And then you wake up the next morning and it's like, you know, you're always very sober in the morning, right? And you're like, oh, poop. It's real. Like, this actually did happen. And so I can just remember just wailing and just kind of rolling around on the the ground of our garage and this was on the ground. <laughs> and I would remember just like clutching and holding on to the drumstick and, um, and so that was kind of like the bottom. That was probably the worst moment um, of my whole grief. And so... Um, and so there's this this remembering like how bad things were, but there's also a thinking about him in heaven. You know, like how things are going to be for me, how th- how good things are for him now, but how good things are going to be for me down the road. And so um, when I have this by my uh, by my car- my seat in the car. Um, and I always kind of rub it when I get in the car, and it reminds me to kind of pray. It reminds me to like ask the Lord to heal our wounded hearts, turn all of our sorrow into joy, but it also reminds me of how bad things were and how much progress I've made. You know, I'm still very sad, um, but I'm a long way from this. Like, I'm a long way from that morning after. And so um, this is very helpful. Like, this drumstick is a helpful reminder. And so it, it has me looking both backwards, um, both... Positive memories of him, but also thinking about how bad things were. It also has me looking forward. And that's what we need. We, um, we are forgetful. Like we're very, very forgetful. We really forget every day um, the cross. And I say the cross specifically because the cross reminds us that our problem with sin is so bad that God himself would have to come down from heaven and die on a cross to rescue us. That is, not a, that is not a, you know, uh, call customer service and we'll send you a new one kind of problem. Um, that is an epic problem uh, of deep magnitude. And, and it's not a fun thing to remember, um, but it is a necessary thing for us to remember, to look back and remember the cross that we really, really need Jesus. Like we really need God's grace every day. We're not made to live on our own. We're not made to live independently. And we need to remember how desperately we need him every morning, you know, every hour. And so we need to we need to look back. We need to look back in our own life where God's come through for us. Um, it's great to have mementos of that kind of stuff or to have a journal or whatever, you know, different things that remind you of that kind of stuff. We need to look back uh, and we also really need to look forward to. Uh, we need to be heavenly minded. Um, we need to constantly be... Um, yeah, every day thinking about uh, the hope that we have in heaven, thinking about how wonderful things are going to be, because for many, many reasons it reminds us of how short this life is. It reminds us that this is not that this world is not. It's it's very limited in what it can offer for us. You know, it gives us real expect realistic expectations. Uh, it reminds us um, that there, You know, it gives us hope of the future. And so when we come to the table to take communion, um, it's a both it's both we're remembering the body and the blood of Christ that was poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins um, but we're also looking forward to the banquet of heaven when we will you know we don't have an we don't we do not come to a an altar where sacrifices are made we come to a table and that table is a place of celebration that's why Protestants we call the communion table Um, because it's a place of celebration. We celebrate what Jesus has done, and we celebrate the banquet that we're going to enjoy in heaven. So, I'll pray for us. All right, Jesus, um, thank you for um, that all these things are true. Thank you um, that we each are so important to you, Lord. Um, And thank you that you understand us, that you truly are an empathetic God, who you know our limitations, um, you know how hard it is for us to believe in invisible things, and spiritual things and so we thank you for um, empathetically providing for us uh, physical means to remind us of your love for us to remind us of your presence with us um, to remind us of um, of all these these hopes that we have and so I pray that you would uh, bless us in this day give us your holy Spirit I ask your prayers in Jesus name amen, amen.